Yeah, wow. I, I saw the pictures on my Facebook feed of him and his girlfriend looking like suitably uninterested in being <laughs> photographed while they were standing there in obviously very expensive clothing. So, Yeah, I can't imagine Fashion Week would be a place that I'd want to be at. As a photographer, maybe, but yeah, n- not just as an, as an attendant, because I get the feeling that my sense of style is n- not in accordance with what they consider to be fashion. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Somebody needs to cut this bit out, but I want to talk <laughs> to somebody about this who is not Declan. So, uh, I got my review code for uh, Total War Warhammer 2 yesterday. Oh, Warhammer, Hammer War, Warhammer, Total Hammer War, War. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I'm always confused about the name, but now I know it for certain because it's Total War Warhammer 2. <laughs> Let's just call it Total Warhammer. It sounds better. Total Warhammer 2. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I'm, like, I'm on the embargo right now, which is why I can't really speak uh, uh, no, about no. it in, in the actual podcast. I mean, if this comes out, like, in, like, two weeks, then it won't matter. <laughs> or in a few days, actually, because it's releasing on the 28th, I think. So by the time this podcast goes up, it's probably out, and I'm probably in the clear. If not, I'm going to get sued. <laughs> or just blacklisted. <laughs> but hey, if if the embargo is on... Uh, you know, goes up on time, then this is like a spicy scoop. I, I guess it is. Um, all right, so I guess I'll just talk about it. It's, um, it's Total Warhammer 1.5. <laughs> the thing they, they, they call destiny is actually happening in, in Warhammer as well. It's a, it's a step up, but it's a half step up and not like, it doesn't feel like a full price $60 AAA title to me. It just feels like an expansion pack for the first one. I was getting, well, it's not been very long since the first one came out, has it? Like, that was a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, I think that was 2015, early 2016, somewhere around that. I, I never played it up until, like, a month ago. Then I remembered that Sam gifted me a copy of the first one because he didn't want to play it, and he got it in a Humble Bundle sale or something like that. Um, but it is actually a pretty good Total War game, and now I'm actually interested in... In the IP, you know, I like Warhammer 40k, but I've not, never been really invested in Warhammer Fantasy, and there's more there to love than I initially wanted to admit to Declan. <laughs> 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 yeah, now I've got the the second one. It it looks virtually the same. It's it's set in a different place altogether, and there's more of a focus on 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 a narrative this time around. But it it, it just feels like the first game, and if you like the first game. And you're going to absolutely love the second one because it's just more of it. At least as far as I can see, I've only played about four or five hours and it's a grand strategy game. So, you know, you can't really uh, have a fair judgment of a game after four or five hours. But, yeah. Total I'm, gl- War I'm games glad are I like it for free. <laughs> yeah, those games are great for like just inviting a couple of people around and just spending an entire weekend just on the one game. I don't think I've ever done that with Total War. I've done it once with uh, Civilization. Yeah, Civilization as well. That's a great <laughs> one to deal with. Oh, I didn't know you played. Yeah, when Civ Five came out, like, oh god, 
<laughs> like genuinely, I think there was like a week where one of my mates came around and we played it until like eight in the morning, fell asleep <laughs> until about like, you know, midday-ish. Then we'd wake up, order takeaway, and then just play it till eight in the morning again. <laughs> and that was just how, that was just how we lived for for a solid week. Oh, to be young again. <laughs> he was only he was only supposed to come round for one night. I was like, hey, do you want to come round for the night and we'll play some games? And then he just like didn't leave for a week. I think we both <laughs> lost track of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. know, one more turn is not just a meme. When it comes <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> <to> civilization. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't played Civilization since. <laughs> Well, you should, because 6 is, I'd argue, the superior game, even without an expansion pack. Mm-hmm. So if you've got, like, a week or two that you want to lose for some reason, you can oh, you can do that. Maybe. Maybe I'll uh, book some time off work and just say goodbye to the world. Yeah, let me know so I can scrounge a couple of people uh, up and we can play that in multiplayer as well. Make this Hell an yeah, international we'll thing. Do a fucking marathon game length one. <laughs> oh, God. Large size world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can go bigger than that in in Civ Six, my dear boy. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> All right, I'm in. Let's do it. Like there, there is like a, a, a huge fuck off version of the Earth map in in Six that was implemented via mods, I believe. Oh, and nice. it is so long that when you select it in the game, it it it. Um, it tells you, like, can your PC stand the test of time <laughs> while we load in this huge map? <laughs> yeah, it took about 20 minutes for my computer to load that one in. So, uh, and that oh, was, n- that was just, you know, a fresh start. Perish the thought. What would happen if you tried to reload that after about 15 hours of play? <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit. Yeah. Well, I guess we start talking about video games anyway. So, um, <laughs> what have you been playing? Um, I I played the mostly downloadable games this week. Um, I finally got to play Inside, right. the game by what's that? I don't remember the studio's name. The guy who the guys who made Limbo, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Limbo was pretty good. It was all right. Um, really good platformer, but you know, really didn't cool stick with style. me. Yeah, didn't really stick with me that much. Not that it was a bad game. I thought it was great. It just wasn't one that stuck with me afterwards. Mm-hmm. I played Inside this week, and it blew my tiny little brain. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's it's fucking amazing if anyone hasn't played their game you go do it now like it's fucking brilliant and i don't want to spoil anything just, just go play it I, I gotta i gotta confess something to you here I, I, <laughs> yeah i played it but i got bored after about 20 minutes what the really <laughs> yeah I, I don't know it just didn't grab me oh man for me it was like it was like limbo but there's a lot less threat of death, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. which I found quite stressful in Limbo, especially if you go around and you collect all of the collectibles, and then you go back to a certain chapter in the game, there's like a secret final chapter, mm-hmm. which is basically 90% in darkness. So the way it works is you'll run along and there'll be like a spotlight on a moving saw blade, and so you jump over it and then you go along, and then there's another saw blade, but there's no light, it's 100% pitch black, so you just have to like listen for when you think the saw blade might be close to you, and then try to jump it, and then after that there's another one, and then there's like big slamming pressy things, so you're just running along blind trying to like dodge all of these things that just want you dead. Right. So it's quite a stressful game, whereas Inside I found was a lot less stressful. It was more just sort of making your way along, enjoying the atmosphere, taking in the 
well, you know, like trying to figure out what the story is and uh, figuring out the environmental puzzles, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed a lot more. And the uh, man, man, what that are. Oh, I, I can't say anything without spoiling it. It's fucking crazy. Just even yeah, if you I've been don't stuff play about it, the ending. J- even well, if you don't play, play it, just look up point, the like, ending. Halfway through the game, where something like like flips on its head and changes everything. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> God, it's mental. Deep breaths. <laughs> it's okay. The video game can't hurt you. It's like it's like something that I got to the end of it and I was like, "Whoa!" I've literally never seen that before. And it's been, it's so rare that you see something in a game where you're like, I've never seen that before. Right. And this was it. And I fucking loved every second of it. I may have to try it again then. Because that sounds like very high praise. Yeah. Even, even if you don't like have the patience to stick with it, just like go on the internet and just try to find like the last 15 chapters or so. <laughs> All right. I will, I will definitely try that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also played Lara Croft Go. Have you played any of these Go games that Square Enix puts out? Um, yeah, I've played some uh, Lara Croft Go when I still had my iPad. Oh, right, yeah. I've only played Hitman Go and Lara Croft Go just because those were the only ones available on the PlayStation. They're really fucking good games. Yeah, from what, I, what, from what, what I've played of, um, of Tomb Raider or Lara Croft Go, that was, that was pretty good, really entertaining, really solid puzzles. Yeah, they're really fun. Like I like the... Um, the way, like, you move one at a time, and then the enemy pieces have their own, obviously, like, set movement. So it's like, it's like a real tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Well, I enjoyed that quite a lot. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I hope got, they... They've got a Deus Ex goal as well now, don't they? Yes, that's not available on the PlayStation, I so I haven't picked that one up. Hopefully they'll bring it out. I hope they keep this up with all of their games, though, because I think it's pretty yeah. cool. Apparently it's a format that works really well. Mm-hmm. So, um, anything else? Yes, okay, this is the big one. And oh, this is, it's all gonna go wrong here. <laughs> uh, so yesterday, the entire day, I played through Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, um, relatively new game, right? Yeah, the, the middle, the, basically the, the game by Ninja Theory where they're trying to bring back the middle market. They're referring to it as a, a AAA indie game, but it's, it's oh, essentially, yeah. It's essentially the middle market. They're trying to bring back, you know, that space between AAA and indie, where it's like, you you pay less for the game, you get a smaller experience, but it's not like an eight bit side scroller, essentially. Yeah. This is this is the game that is based on on Celtic mythology to some extent, right? Yes, yeah, it is, and it's um, it's also goes the the theme of the game is about psychosis, and uh, it states at the beginning of the game that. They've had people with psychosis work as uh, advisors to the game and also mental health doctors work as advisors to the game so they could accurately portray a character who suffers from psychosis. Right. Which is you know, um, quite a big undertaking because men- a mental illness like that is very nuanced and very hard to portray in, in, in something as fleeting as a video game, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not something that's really been done before and it's, it's quite a big... Uh, it's it's a big deal that someone's tried to do something like that, yeah. and it's not you know like fucking Call of Duty Black Ops, <laughs> right? <laughs> because that's just offensive. Um, so this this game has been getting like incredible reviews from everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I have I've a... not heard many bad things about it. So. Oh, you're about to. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that 
all of those good reviews are down to the fact that this is a game that's trying to tackle a taboo subject and that people are giving it a good review because it's, you know, artistic and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Personally, I fucking hated every second I spent with this game. I can't <laughs> think of a game I have enjoyed less than playing this game yesterday. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, man, honestly. Why? Right, so the first, my first gripe that sets in instantly in this game is, and after I noticed it within the first like half an hour of the game, I actually started timing it, and you do not go more than five minutes of gameplay without getting at least five to ten minutes of cutscene. <laughs> right, it worked for Max Payne 3. Ma- the, the game so, you know, is there's like- precedent there. <laughs> well, it's like the game is like just so determined to wrestle control away from you at every single possible opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, I said that, like, I, and personally, I can't, like, I, I've moaned about games like Metal Gear Solid 4, the, uh, the cutscene to gameplay ratio is just fucking obscene. I complained about, um, the Order 1886, as most people did, saying that the the gameplay is fun. It's just like in this entire game, there's about an hour's worth of gameplay in this right. five hour game, and I can't I can't complain about those games for doing it and then give like let this game off the hook. It's fucking like seriously, literally, you do not go more than five minutes of gameplay. And when I say five minutes of gameplay. All of that gameplay consists of either A, terrible janky combat, which reminds me of the super old-fashioned First Prince of Persia game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where like only f- in the First Prince of Persia game, because it was so like hardware restricted, you'd have yeah. you could only have four enemies on screen at a time. So if you went into a battle arena where they intended to have ten enemies, only four would spawn, and then you'd fight one, kill one. And then one would take its place, and then fight one, kill one, one takes its place until you've gone through ten. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how this game seems to operate. You go into like a big circle area or a big square area, and then these enemies start coming at you. Pretty much the only thing you need to do is block and then spam the square button, because if you try to use either of the other heavy or melee attacks, then they, the animation takes far too fucking long and the things hit you by then. So it's just block at a, like a like it's not even like super um reflex timed blocking it's just as you see the enemy doing its big lumbering fucking attack animation you just hit the button and then just smash the fucking square button to kill it right so there's no real effort or skill involved no the only time there is is because the camera is so fucking horrendous that it just locks on to one enemy you can barely control which one it's locking onto you you sort of can by flicking the right analog stick to to aim the camera at which one you want, but that barely fucking works. It seems to do whatever the fuck it wants most of the time. (laughs) It it locks onto one enemy, so then you've got enemies, like, coming up beside you or coming up behind you. You can barely move, like, all you can do is, like, spam the X button to jump out of the way. And then... So that's that's the combat gameplay, and it fucking sucks. And then the rest of the gameplay consists of, like... So you go up to a door, and on the door... There's some runes, like some pictures of some runes. And say there's like an X and then there's one that looks like a P and then that's it. So you then have to walk around the environment trying to find like two logs that have fallen into the shape of an X. And then you look at them and it unlocks that rune. And then you walk around and try to find like part of a shed that makes the shape of a P. And then 
you fucking unlock that rune. Well, that's not a, a bad approach, I think. I, I don't think I've heard of, of a game that did something similar. Uh, there's probably a fucking good reason for that. <laughs> so, like, when I say, like, five minutes of gameplay to five to ten minutes of cutscene, that five minutes of gameplay is just wandering around the environment trying to look at, look for stuff that vaguely looks like the shapes that you've been told to look for. It's the equivalent <laughs> of, like, cloud spotting, of, like, lying in a field and going, oh, that cloud sort of looks like a dog. <laughs> it's not right, fucking yeah. fun. <laughs> So, okay, too many cutscenes or not not enough gameplay, but are the cutscenes actually worth watching? Is the story worth experiencing? Uh, it's like it's just like so fucking meandering, I guess. It's like everything takes so long. All of these cutscenes could have been half the length that they were because like even when you have a cutscene where it's just her lying on the ground and then she opens her eyes and then starts moving. They'll, they'll, like, that camera will sit on her for a good 30 seconds just lying on the ground with her eyes closed. Just take it in just, view. Just loitering, just lingering. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, how the hell are we going to fill these six hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like a lot of the time. And then there's, like, there's dialogue and it's just, like, not not awful, but it's just, like, a lot of it probably didn't need to be there. Right. That's and the shame. whole. The whole gimmick of the psychosis thing is basically you have a bunch of voices whispering in your head throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. Which at first, like, so the game opens and it's all moody and you're on a log, like, d- rowing your way across this lake and the voices are, like, sort of taunting, but, like, then sort of just, like, just giving you all these doubts and giving the character all these doubts about, like, what she's going to do and why she's going to do it and all that sort of stuff. And it starts out pretty cool. But then when you get into the gameplay segments, these voices just turn into, like, exposition and tutorials. Yeah, right, that that does sound a bit annoying. In the same way that the inner voices uh, that Deadpool had in that game that came out two years ago, those were annoying <laughs> for the same reasons, yeah. by the sound of it. So it was like, I understood what they were going for. I just feel like the content there was... It it just felt it just everything just felt off, and mm. I like genuinely do think the only reason this game's getting its good reviews is because it has, and admittedly rather bravely, um, tried to tackle a subject that games don't usually do. Mm. Um, it just didn't do I, it well enough. I just don't think it's a good fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Mm, that's a that's a shame. Well, maybe yeah. they'll try it again at some point. And yeah, it and it's just like an actual game. And maybe there maybe there was some stuff to the story that I didn't quite feel, but it's like the game had slapped the shit out of my investment within that first hour so much that I just couldn't care after that. <laughs> right. Huh. It got to the point where like every every time the game was just like taking control of me, I was like, for fuck's sake, and I just put the controller down and just be like, okay, like whenever you're fucking ready, I'll carry on playing the game. That doesn't sound too good. Oh, I that's think a, that's I'm a the- shame. I think I am the only person on the planet who feels this way, so don't fucking <laughs> don't take my word for it. But <laughs> maybe I'll try it out at some point. But you know, money, and I'd rather not spend it on like six-hour-long experiences, no matter how how beautiful they look or how interesting the the subject matter seems to me. I guess. Yeah, I get. I think the best comparison is like it reminds me so much of the order. Mm-hmm. Like, not from a mechanical or gameplay or story perspective, but just from the way I felt playing it, where I was like, this could be a good TV show. 
but <laughs> I, I want to fucking play it if I've bought it. It's that sad twinge of lost potential. Yeah, and the, but I, the one thing I will say about the order is when there was gameplay, I actually did kind of enjoy it. Whereas in this, the very little gameplay that there is, I just don't, I don't care for. Hmm. There, there is a pretty cool mechanic where there's like these arches that you walk through, and they change the perspective on the world. So there's like the environment where there's like a bit of wall, and then you walk through this arch, and then the wall will be broken. Yeah, and so you have to like sort of weave in and out of the arches to un- un- uncover different parts of the environment and then to get to different places, and that's pretty cool. But that's that's a very small percentage of what this game is. Hmm. So I'll give well, them... Maybe, a- maybe at one point we can consider this game a prelude to a larger franchise. Because, again, you know, the ideas sound pretty good. It's just, you know, that when they're put into practice, it sort of falls flat. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just me being too picky and you know wanting, wanting more of a game thrown it. And I don't, I'm not saying that sarcastically, but you know maybe I was going into this expecting a like a game where they were trying to do something else, like I don't know, like a heavy rain or something. Hmm. So, know. um, it, indie game but triple A graphics. Yeah, pretty much. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, right, next. Have you got more to talk about? Um, now nah, I'll pass on over to you now. I've been talking for ages. All right. Um, last time we, we spoke, that's about two weeks ago now. Um, I had not played Life is Strange Before the Storm yet, right? We did not no, talk about this not. last time. Yeah. Uh, I played the first episode. <laughs> you did. And... You sent me a message that made me fucking laugh though. <laughs> What was that again? I don't, I don't remember if I replied to it, but uh, it was you were airing your feelings on Chloe. <laughs> Fuck! I need to like like get that so I can remember what I said. Should I try? Let me find the message. It's fucking great. Um, <laughs> oh, there it is. You said uh, you're playing the new Life is Strange. You said Chloe is insufferable. It reminds you too much of your angsty, edgy 16-year-old self. <laughs> oh, God, yes, that is definitely true. Like, from the first moment, like, the, the game opens up, right? And you, you're Chloe, you're, you're in the middle of the woods, and you're, and you're on your way to see um, a, a band play in some you know, crusty old shack somewhere, right? <laughs> and from the get-go, the things that she's saying or, like, the posturing she does when she meets um, you know, other teenagers or other characters in general, that, that whole fuck off against the authority <laughs> sort of deal that most fucking teenagers have going on. They've, they've done that pretty well. And it was, re- and it was very confronting for me. Like, oh shit, I've been in this exact situation. <laughs> and to be honest, that was when all my skepticism sort of melted away. Ah, <laughs> uh, you see, like, that's the same thing that I got from the first game. But, oh, it's worse. It's worse. But, because... but not in a positive way, not in a sort of, oh, this is the sort of person that I can sort of relate to. This was, it was more in a sense of, fuck, I knew people like this and I did hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back to how I was at that age, I, I'd probably deserve a scathing remark like that, yeah. <laughs> it It did, like... It did draw me in a little more because, you know, I, I, I could identify with uh, her thought processes, how cringy they were, besides that, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we finally know who's to blame for introducing Hella to that franchise. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's Rachel Amber. <laughs> so you could say the bitch got what was coming. No. <laughs> <That's not true. laughs> 
So what they what they do in in before the storm is try to um, explain why Amber is so important to Chloe, and they do it so well. Like Amber as a character, she's she's pretty fantastic. Like from 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 the get go, you sort of like her. She she's um, just very likable in general, and she seems to uh, draw out of Chloe behavior that she did not seem to be capable of at the start of Before the Storm. Uh, it takes about, I don't know, 45 minutes to get to a bit where Chloe stops being insufferable and starts talking to Rachel, and then you sort of, sort of see shades of what Chloe is going to become um, at the start and at the end of uh, Season 1 of Life is Strange. Um, something something else that sort of you know, kicked my skepticism in the nads was... Um, the cinematography, the use of color, um, and the fantastic soundtrack, this time written by a UK band Daughter and not by Sid Matters, uh, like with season one. The, the score is fantastic. The licensed soundtrack is fantastic. And there's quite a few places in, over the course of the first episode of Before the Storm where you just get to sit in, in your room listening to music, right? You, you did that in, in season one as well, but I get the feeling there's more, uh, opportunities to do that in uh, episode one of Before the Storm than there was in like 50% of season one. Mm-hmm. And if you like Life is Strange season one, you're going to absolutely love Before the Storm as well. If you did not like season one, there's nothing in, in Before the Storm that will convince you otherwise. But yeah, as as you, you, you've played season one and I'd recommend you play Before the Storm as well. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it a go. I was, uh, I guess I had the same skepticism that you did, that I tend not to like prequels anyway, and this seemed like a even more unnecessary prequel than well, than it, usual. It isn't, and I'd love to explain to you why, but if I did that, I'd spoil some, some really, really great stuff from the first episode. Okay, fair enough. So, I'll give it a go. Yeah, you should, and after that, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> um... What else did I play? Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I finally oh, got man. to play that game. I borrowed it off a mate of mine. Yeah, that game's I'm, good. I, I'm, yeah, that's on my to to buy list. Oh, you've not played it yet? No, not yet. Right, I've played about uh, two, not three hours. I think three, three and a half hours, something like that. It it looks amazing, and I'm I'm amazed that the PlayStation Four, which has which which has a tendency of you know not keeping a steady frame rate with most games you throw at it. It is completely stable, looked at 30 FPS, but it looks fucking incredible. Um, the controls are really fluid, the animation quality is fantastic. Um, e- even like the sort of stock animations you, you get with characters when you're in a conversation with them uh, are still really lifelike and really well done. I, I like that game a whole lot, and I did not think I'd like it as much as I am doing now, so... I think that was the general consensus. Well, that nobody expected to like it. Yeah, that people were like, okay, another open world game. And then it came and people were like, oh, wait, this isn't another open world game. This is different somehow. This is an open world game with robot dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and robot, like, elk, I, I guess. <laughs> robot everything. It's, it's set on Earth. Uh, but I think it's set a couple hundred years after some some event caused human society to, to completely collapse and collapse, leading to um, what well, essentially tribal uh, like a regression to sort of tribal life for most people. Mm-hmm. And 
I've not played enough to know where the story is going, but there's enough intrigue there and there's enough hooks there that make me want to explore it further. And if reviews aren't anything to go by, uh, the ending is really satisfying as well. And that fucking never happens in video games made after 2010. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm already jazzed. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was it really. I've not played too much of it yet. So I don't know too much of it yet either. Yeah, that's definitely it's still like top of my to buy list. I've just been sort of well play that. It's... Play it as soon as possible, and then play Life is Strange as well. <laughs> okay, so you got somebody to talk about next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, outside of that, I've not really been playing much new stuff or stuff that I'm willing to add something to. Uh, Civilization Six still addictive as ever. Player unknowns, <laughs> battlegrounds are still as glitchy as ever. Uh, that's a good segue, actually, because I've got only one story I want to talk about this week, and that was a bigger story that needed a lot of quotes from different websites in order to make sense to me. So, and, and it concerns PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. Um, uh, but yeah, something happened uh, around some comments made by uh, one of the people in charge at Bluehole, the developer that's currently developing PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. And uh, I'm just going to read verbatim what Polygon had to say on it. So here I go. Um, earlier, Did you do some real investigative journalism? On oh, like- yeah, investigative journalism. I wouldn't go that far. I went for like <laughs> half an hour and found other places where people did do some investigative journalism, and then I read the rewards. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm going to mention sources. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so this is from uh, from Polygon. Uh, and it says, Earlier this week, Epic Games announced the PUBG-inspired Battle Royale variant of Fortnite. It's long in-development sandbox survival game. It will be released for free on consoles and PC next week. Um, and at the time of recording this, uh, next week is, in this case, means two days from now. So, on the 26th. Um, this development isn't sitting well with the team at Bluehole, the developers of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, who use Epic's Unreal Engine to power the early access mega hit, uh, released a pre-release. And they said that the team is contemplating, quote-unquote, further actions. Uh, and the quote goes on to say, We've had an ongoing relationship with Epic Games throughout PUBG's development, as they are the creators of, e- of UE4, the engine we licensed for the game. Um, after listening to the growing feedback from our community and reviewing the gameplay for ourselves, we are concerned that Fortnite may be replicating the experience which uh, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds is known for. Uh, the press release cites a Reddit AMA with Green, uh, aka Player Unknown, in which he said in response to a question about other publishers, notably n- not Epic, entering the space, uh, quote, other companies will, of course, enter the marketplace, but I would just hope that they put their own spin on the game mode and not just make a carbon copy. Despite that expectation, Chang Han Kim from Blue Hole suggests that the similarities between the two products are far too close for comfort, And he said, the PUBG community has and will continue to provide evidence of the many similarities as we contemplate further actions. So, as you can probably imagine, this did not really sit well with a lot of people online because it's a Battle Royale-style game that is styled after Battle Royale, a Japanese film. Mm -hmm. And now they're kicking up a sandstorm, essentially, over other people using that same concept, even though they, too, lifted their concept of something else. (laughs) Yeah, that does sound a little bit... Yeah, it's just odd. So a couple days after that, uh, 
Blue Hole released another statement by the uh, the very same Chang Han Kim. And he says, so the first thing I'd like to clarify is that it is not about the Battle Royale game mode itself. There were other Battle Royale game modes earlier this year that were released, like Last Man Standing or GTA V's Battle Royale game mode, and we never raised an issue. And I think it's great that there are there's more competition and everyone should be able to create their own Battle Royale game mode. And it's not about the idea itself. It's about Epic Games. And that wasn't really clear in the press release that we released about it. We use Unreal Engine to develop PUBG, and we pay a large amount of royalties based on the size of our success to Epic Games. And Epic Games always promoted their licensing models, saying, quote, We want to support the successful indie developers, and Bluehole is, in this case, an indie developer, believe it or not, even with 12 million units sold in like four months. <laughs> and they say that they have been the most successful one using the Unreal Engine this year. And that's apparently a problem. So, yeah, we've got one company who has made an indecent amount of money <laughs> using the Unreal Engine. They are complaining about Epic also making a Battle Royale-style game after they had started development on it. This does not seem like something that will stand in a court of law. Yeah, and I can't imagine the, the two would be that similar, right? Uh, aside from are. like the very basic concept, like Fortnite seems like a very different game. Oh no, no this is this is like uh, an extra mode on top of the regular gameplay in Fortnite. The big difference between the battle royale mode in PUBG and Fortnite would be that you can use some of the building mechanics in Fortnite to uh, make yourself a little, you know, castle or house or barricade or whatever, which is different from PUBG, where you just scream in terror as somebody runs over <laughs> to you and then, you know, kills you, grabs all the stuff that you've been trying to collect for the past half hour. So, <laughs> I'm not bitter at all. Um, <laughs> So there, there is a bit of a, of, a, of a spin in in Fortnite, which is exactly what Bluehole seems to want from other people making battle royale style games. Yeah, so it's not that similar, I guess. And even if it was like a carbon fucking copy, it doesn't matter because battle royale was the inspiration <laughs> for all the battle royale style game modes you see in every other game now. Yeah, it seems like it seems really bitchy of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I wonder what motivated something like this because they actually sent out a press release saying eh, Epic Games is also making a better Royale mode. <laughs> why release a press release about this? But yeah, why follow up two days after that with an interview on a different outlet where you're contesting or nuancing the things you said in the fucking press release you didn't need to send in the first place? Not, not only that, but so. PUBG has sold like a bajillion copies. Yeah, yeah. Like bearing in mind, it's amount. it's still only in early access. Um, mm-hmm. I, Fortnite didn't do that well, did it? From what I've not out what, yet. Is it not? Uh, no, I think you can you can buy yourself into the early access. Um, oh, it's still it's early not, access. Yeah, it is sort of early access. It releases for free uh, oh, in a couple sh- days. Shit, that game was announced, like, six years ago. <laughs> i got to be honest, it was not on my radar until a couple weeks back. Literally. Fortnite was first revealed at the 2011 Spike Video Game Awards. Six, this game was announced six years ago. God damn, I hope it's good. And it's still I mean, not fucking out? 
Apparently not. They had to delay it because they had to rip off PUBG. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Hell, wow. That's okay. All right. Just be glad that it's finally coming out so you can be maybe, disappointed by it in person. Maybe that's why I had like heard that the game was not doing that great because it's in a early access. So, of course, it's not sold like billions yet. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for PUBG, and it, and it worked for DayZ for about four weeks until everybody understood, like, oh shit, this game is, is fucking broken to the core, let's leave. <laughs> <laughs> I did try some, like, like just as an aside, this, I did try some DayZ, like, semi-recently, and this was, like, two months ago, I think, two or three months ago. And at that time, if I recall correctly... The game was so fucking broken that they had to take out all the zombies. See, so all, all you could do was literally run around the map and get shot by other players, and you know, don't work and not having to worry about the zombies whatsoever. So yeah, I I first played DayZ when the whole the hype first kicked off like years ago. Yeah, and I was right and there on that bandwagon with the rest of the internet because yeah, I loved mod. I really, I remember, I because I bought Armor Two especially for Daisy. Then I downloaded Daisy, and then I sort of ran around for half an hour with, without seeing anyone, and then just got killed. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, no, this, this ain't for me." <laughs> I, I like. I, I played it with a couple of friends, and we usually just went out looting and stockpiling stuff and getting into firefights with people. That was yeah. it. Was pretty fun, like. It, it was more, way more sandboxy than anything I'd played before that. So, but yeah, the yeah. standalone does not live up to expectations and it probably never will. And at this <laughs> point, if you look at the active player accounts, I think it's what, whatever they do now is too little, too late. Yeah. Which again, it's just shame because I like the mod and on paper, the standalone sounds very, very good if they ever finish it, which they won't. You know what they should do? Implement a battle royale mode. That will get people <laughs> to come back to them. It's <laughs> <laughs> the word for Fortnite. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, did you know that Vivendi might end up buying Ubisoft in November? Because apparently they uh, they've got more than the thirty percent stake in Ubisoft that they uh, need to take over at some point. Wait, what? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking at an article right now on TweakTown.com and. Like, that is not the source, by the way. The source is um, Financial Times. And it says, uh, Ubisoft and co-founder and CEO Yves Gilmore warns Vivendi that an aggressive takeover will be very risky. Um, the question is whether Vivendi will then make a tender offer or not. We feel it wouldn't be in the best interest of the shareholders because buying a company in our industry aggressively is actually very risky. Uh, and he says that the takeover would be a death sentence to our industry. Going on to say, quote, and you'll love this, a video game company cannot grow within a media conglomerate, says Mr. Gilmo, said in an interview before the annual meeting, as reposted by Bloomberg, quote, in our industry, independence is needed to take risks, to be innovative, and that is not compatible with Vivendi's way of operating, says the guy who's in charge of the company that puts fucking <laughs> towers in every single game. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it what? it might go to Vivendi. Man, a way to go shit on your possible new employees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I love how Vivendi has sort of dismissed these claims, saying that it, like, it might be very hard for Ubisoft to stomach this potential takeover, but if we, for some reason, cannot secure Ubisoft, we wouldn't really care. <laughs> Presumably, because Vivendi is really, really rich, and they can buy whatever the hell they like. Oh, so, man, yeah. I kind of hope they don't. I don't know. Uh, what does Vivendi do in terms of video games? I think Lord of the Rings Online, that's still going. They they used to make a lot of games. Maybe maybe this is their bid to get back into the gaming industry. Uh, according to Wikipedia, Vivendi Games has been defunct since two thousand and eight. Oh, I I don't know. This is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have started talking about financial stuff. No, no, fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Way out of my death. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what it would mean if Vivendi took over. Um, but I don't know. Looking at Ubisoft's performance in recent years, it might be time for new management. Yeah, maybe. I just feel like I don't know. I feel like there's it's better off like the the less things we have under umbrellas, it's probably right. better. That's a, it's that, that is a bit too late now because Tencent already owns everything. <laughs> Literally everything. <laughs> it's very podcast, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ubisoft sort your shit out. Earn more money so Vivendi doesn't buy you. Or just, you know, uh, be a gentleman and hold the door for when Vivendi finally wants to come in. <laughs> I'll admit, I was like the biggest Ubisoft hater before this year, but E3 kind of turned me around on them. They did really well with this year's E3. Hmm. Are you looking forward I to did, the uh, new Assassin's Creed? I was going to say, did they do well this year's E3, or did everyone else do, do so apocalyptically shit that it just made them look like they were shining? Uh, Let me I, work that one out. <laughs> I think they, they did a pretty good job at this year's E3. Even Devolver Digital had, had a fantastic one, where they, they pre-taped yes. this, but it was a, 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 a like for the people listening who haven't seen it, you should totally, totally watch it. Because what they did was just... Uh, play a video. It was about 40 minutes long, I, I believe, and they staged like an E3 conference full with zingers um, meant for journalists and industry professionals and stuff. It is the most self-aware and meta shit ever, but it is hilarious. So I suggest you yeah. watch that. It's great. They literally, they're, they're one of their big announcements was they'd invented a machine where you could literally throw money at your screen and it would go straight into their pockets. <laughs> which is, which is of course a reference to what Deej said, the community manager working at Bungie when uh, they announced the microtransactions for Destiny 1. It's like, they're great. You, you want to throw money at your screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not the thing that you want to say to your captive audience made of mostly adolescents who, you know, young adults who really like video games. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of Ubisoft, though, I have, I was playing Rab- uh, Mario and the new Mario and Rabbids game, oh, but I'm shit, holding yeah. all my, I'm holding all my Switch talk off for a week where it's a bit of a quiet week. <laughs> um, but that game's fucking dope, so. Yeah, it's like XCOM, it's- but with rabbits and Mario, right? Oh, yeah. And it's like, Crazy deep for one of those games as well. It's just like, not even necessarily deep, maybe, but just the the way the mechanics work is it makes it so much more fun because there's like more options for to do more in a single turn rather than just having like okay, you can only do one thing per turn. Right. In this, you can do like so many things in one turn, and like characters can jump off of each other and then bounce off the enemies and then go through pipes and then slide kick an enemy and then you can go into your position then you can shoot an enemy then you can activate your super and it just feels like everything's a lot more faster paced 
I I hear they gave Mario a gun. Yeah, they did. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> the world's gone topsy turvy. Um, <laughs> does that, does that game like remain interesting after an X amount of hours? Because yeah. it, it, it's supposed to be somewhat simple because it's mostly aimed at kids, obviously, like most of the stuff that Nintendo makes is. Yeah, there's a nice like trickle of the way you unlock uh, the new characters. Um, there's not right. a fucking massive amount of characters in the game, but you unlock them progressively out throughout the game. And they, in, they keep introducing enough different enemy types throughout the game that it keeps changing things up. Mm-hmm. And also there's like, you, so as you go into each different battle arena, there's different objectives. So sometimes it's literally just kill all of the enemies. Sometimes you've got to get to the other side of the map, regardless of where you've, whether you've killed the enemies or not, and stuff like that. Sometimes you've got to kill a certain amount of enemies and they keep respawning until you've killed the right amount, and just stuff like that. Hmm. All right, so that sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> are the rabbits as insufferable... As they've always been, or... <laughs> no, I, I haven't found them that bad. I've actually found them quite charming in this one. Oh, well, look at that. Speaking of Switch, by the way, um, <laughs> that, that, that lying mouthpiece at Bethesda, what, what's he called? Todd Howard. That's Todd Howard, one. yes. Yeah, he said that he wants a very close working relationship with Nintendo, which is like diametrically opposed to <laughs> what he did about three weeks after the Wii U got released. <laughs> But yeah, um, Doom is coming for that dungeons. Now. Yeah, and uh, the new Wolfenstein. Yeah, right? I did not expect that. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Doom is a really good game, actually. The, this this console is fucking here to stay. Yeah, uh, I finally saw one uh, in, in the wild last week. Uh, my friend brought it with me when he came over to uh, watch TV and stuff. Uh, it looks really good. Like... I'm, I'm impressed with the screen quality, which was like one of the things that I hated about the DS. But that's yeah, the thing it, that I hate. The thing I, it's just all about construction. Like I hate the fucking the Wii U, how it's all like big and plasticky, and it's like one of those like VTech tablets for children or something. <laughs> yeah, the the Switch is like solidly constructed, nice screen. It's all like real nice. Like the Wii U control, like as you held it in your hands, because it was just a big plastic box. It sounded like creaked and stuff as you used it because <laughs> it was like a massive right. plastic slab whereas the Wii, the the switch sorry is like solid it's a solid piece of kit yeah i'm i was i was pretty impressed by by how it looked and you know it it, it is quite weighty but it feels all right in your hand so mm-hmm. good finally nintendo's done it <laughs> well i mean the online could do with a little bit of uh <laughs> fucking tinkering voice chat on your phone <laughs> I did have to, like, very shamefully ask Sam what his friend code was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they've got Mies, so... Wait, they're back? I thought they were gone. No, the Mies are... Well, I mean... Yeah, no, they're here. They're here. You can, like... I've got one as my profile picture, and you can, like, use them in Mario Kart. Mm. I don't oh, know if you can do anything like else. The, the Weverse or the Miiverse was getting closed down, I, I heard recently. Yeah, the, the, the Miiverse is gone. Which is kind of a shame because that was kind of cool. Well, but, you, you can uh, you can send Nintendo a message if you want all your stuff um, that that was on the Miiverse, and they'll just mail it to you in a zip file. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how many dicks you've drawn, but you can have all of them <laughs> sent to you directly from Nintendo. <laughs> uh, had the amount of dicks you've drawn with a Goomba as the the bell end. <laughs> 
Yeah, I saw some screenshots. Uh, people went <laughs> nuts. <laughs> Pardon the pun, but you know. <laughs> All right, it's time for us to go because I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and we've we've almost clocked in our, our one one weekly hour, I guess. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs>